welcome to the Box Office Watch Podcast, where we keep watch on how much money movies are making and why. This is the show for the weekend of June 19th through 21st, 2020. My name is Paolo, and I'm your host. So hope everyone out there is doing well. Uh, here in New York, we just hit phase two out of four of reopening, uh, meaning that outdoor dining, some office workers, and barber shops are now reopened. Uh, movie theaters are still in phase four, and no date has been set on that yet. Uh, personally, I'm going to hold back from getting my hair cut, and I've resorted to getting some headbands from CVS to keep this mess on top of my head I call my hair in place, uh, at least out of my eyes. I did ride the subway for the first time in three months uh, to help a friend pack up his furniture as his lease was ending and his office wasn't opening for a few more months, uh, so he'll be staying out of town until then. Uh, I was pretty hardened actually by how New Yorkers were keeping social distancing even in the subways and how most, though not all, uh, people were wearing some sort of mask. Uh, Tying that all back to the box office, probably the biggest news of last week was that uh, the major exhibitor theaters uh, were more confidently putting out guidelines about how they plan on reopening, especially relating on whether or not they would allow require customers to wear a mask uh, when they come to the theater. Uh, as a reminder, as of right now, the release schedule for the month of July looks like July 10th has unhinged uh, the Russell Crowe Road Rates action thriller. Uh, Sony pushed back uh, the Broken Hearts Gallery, the Selena produced rom-com uh, back to July 17th um, and July 17th also has the inception 10-year anniversary real release from Warner Brothers as well as uh, special footage of Tenet uh, and other Warner Brothers films um, there's no movement currently on Mulan Watts uh, with Disney planning on releasing the live-action remake still on July 24th uh, and July 31st of course belongs to Christopher Nolan's Tenet from Warner Brothers so to understand the status of theaters reopening, let's take a look at the three biggest movie theater chains in the U.S. For context, these are there are about 40,000 screens in the U.S., about half of which are taken up by these three theater chains. Uh, these are in order from smallest to largest. Cinemark uh, has 4.6 thousand screens on, in about 500 theaters. Uh, Regal, which is owned by Cineworld out of the U.K., has about 7.1K theaters with about uh, five, another 500 movie theaters. Uh, and AMC has a hair over 8,000 screens uh, spread out about across about 600 theaters. So Cinemark announced last Wednesday that they would have a phased reopening starting this past weekend actually in a few Dallas locations uh, before opening up most of their theaters by July 17th. Uh, at the time, they said that masks would be strongly encouraged though not required. Uh, Regal Cinemas announced last Tuesday, so the first of the big three to announce when they would be reopening, that their reopening date was July 10th in the United States, among other international markets that they own. Uh, At the time, they also did not require masks to be worn unless the region that the theater reopened in did require it. Uh, Finally, AMC was the last to announce their reopening plans last Thursday, uh, planning on opening 450 of its 600 theaters on July 15th uh, and planning to have all of its locations, or most of them at least, open for Mulan on July 24th and Tenet on July 31st. Uh, They did not require customers to wear masks in their original release plans. CEO Adam Aaron uh, specifically cited not wanting the company to be drawn into a political conversation with regard to whether or not requiring a mask uh, uh, for customers uh, at the time of release. Um, All three did announce various cleanliness measures, including reduced capacity, uh, increased cleaning frequency, uh, monitoring of staff, requiring staff to have masks, and having a limited menu at the concession stand, as well as not having any self-serve fountain soda, uh, soda fountains. 
Uh, of course, AMC and the other chains uh, kind of wishy-washy status uh, with regarding to not requiring masks to be worn by customers uh, in order to avoid a political conversation, of course, pulled them into a political conversation. Uh, given the preponderance of evidence of the effectiveness on masks in preventing the spread of the coronavirus, uh, but m- probably more likely due to the backlash online, uh, all three chains changed their stances, uh, stating last Friday that they would all require the customers to wear masks in the lobby areas of their theaters when they reopen, and that they would provide masks available for purchase uh, for guests who did not have them upon coming to the theater. I don't want to spend the rest of the episode soapboxing about how dumb it is that requiring individuals to wear masks in the name of public safety has become a political issue, but just take this as a PSA for anyone listening. Please wear your masks if you do step outside your house. The science definitely supports, um, you know, coronavirus being stopped by the wearing of masks. A special shout out to Alamo Drafthouse for saying that they will require masks even before they even have their reopening plans laid out for the public. Uh, Though It looks like they also plan on reopening sometime in mid-July. That said, in Los Angeles, even though California has allowed theaters to reopen earlier this month, um, the movie capital of the world, uh, their theaters have not yet been allowed to reopen by local officials. Uh, outside of the United States, you know, various other markets have their own reopening plans. Uh, View, a European theater chain, plans on reopening 80% of its 230 theaters by July 4th. Uh, we talked last week about how Cineplex uh, up in Canada is planning on re- staging, on start- starting its reopening this coming, coming weekend in Alberta, uh, though there are also various legal suits going on between Cineworld, owner of uh, Regal in the UK, uh, and Cineplex, given the failed takeover um, of that uh, chain. Uh, speaking of Cineworld, uh, they doubled down on not requiring mask customers to wear masks, um, at least in the United Kingdom, uh, for their July 10th opening. Uh, France is also opening theaters this week. I believe they actually opened yesterday as of the release of this episode um, at 50% capacity. Uh, this is opposed to the 50 or 100-person cap in other European countries that have opened up, um, allowing for larger auditoriums to have more than 50 or 100 people. Uh, moving to off the European continent, um, Japan has began reopening. Actually, began reopening a month ago, um, but consumers are still pretty slow to come back. Uh, Pre COVID nineteen, you know, the week of March seventh, the last week before it all came out, there were about thirteen films in theaters, and the Japanese box office made about five point eight million dollars US. Um, May twenty third, when they first opened reopened again, uh, it was only about seven hundred and ninety thousand uh, on ten on ten films. Uh, it's come up since then, but has yet to cross the two million US dollar uh, mark. Um, and you know, compared against year over year, what last year had, even though there were seventeen films versus ten now, that's still only about five percent of what last year's box office was. Um, part of that is due to reduced capacity. Um, several chains are requiring a seat between each individual um, that's being booked, um, but it's also just in general lower consumer interest in going to movie theaters right now, um, even if they've reopened with health precautions in place. Uh, Part of that may be skittishness about just being in an enclosed space. Uh, The other part might just be that there's not enough, uh, you know, new films out there to be seen. Uh, in New Zealand, uh, we talked about last week that they have zero domestic cases of coronavirus, and are, you know they have pretty strict quarantine measures for anyone entering the country. Um, but uh, you know they've been able to go to theaters, you know, for the past couple of weeks with no, 
um, with no limitations. Um, that said, bo- total box office this past weekend was somewhere you know in the three hundred thousand mark. Um, that's sixty percent more than last week, but again, only seventeen percent uh, of what it was last year. About you know a little bit less than uh, one fifth of what was being made last year at this time. Um, again, this may be the new no- no releases, so we'll see if Tenet and Mulan change anything. Um, but that that's kind of you know the situation we're in right now. Uh, and finally, you know, sticking in the Pacific realm, uh, in China, 13,000 film and TV companies have gone out of business um, as some new COVID cases emerged in Beijing. Uh, and Beijing theaters do remain closed as a, as a result of those new cases. Um, you know, this may be a harbinger of, like, if in the U.S., we're seeing, you know, cases spike in Arizona and Florida. Um, so you may see potential reclosing. I don't know if the U.S. local governments are going to be, you know, uh, wanting to do that again but you know at the very least uh, consumer enthusiasm for going back to the theaters will be reduced uh, you know, uh, pivoting away from the, uh, from theater news. On that note, uh, looking at the world of streaming, you know, there were there were a couple of headlines. Um, Hamilton, which we discussed a couple of episodes ago, uh, is coming to Disney Plus, uh, I believe, next week, um, and apparently got a PG thirteen rating uh, despite multiple f bombs. Uh, so somehow being in the original production, um, we'll see uh, what that means if if Disney is actually censoring the version that comes out or not. I believe I saw somewhere that you know Lin Manuel said that you know the, he wouldn't have an issue with censoring it out because you know one everyone kind of already has the soundtrack in their head and knows where it's supposed to be those f words are supposed to be um and he's wanted to get people to see the film more so we'll see what that means um whether and you know what we do know though is that uh disney has actually stopped offering a f- uh, the free week trial for disney plus um whether or not that is related to the fact that hamilton does come out in a little bit more than a week uh if that's a coincidence a lot i'll leave up to the listener to speculate on uh spoilers on my thoughts it's definitely related um you know if you have this crazy hamilton fan base who really wants to see it uh, disney's definitely going to want to do it to drive subscribers even if it's for just one month uh, for people wanting to see hamilton um this is definitely gonna you know help the bottom line uh, shifting over to Warner Brothers, after releasing Scoob, uh, directed PVOD about a, you know, a little bit more than a month ago, um, the animated Hanna-Barbera film will be coming to HBO Max uh, next week, I guess, as part of the July rotation of films. Um, according to various sources from Deadline, it sounds like Universal's Trolls World Tour uh, made in total about 30, 35 to 40% more than Scoob did, uh, even though Scoob reportedly had a higher opening, uh, you know, opening day than Trolls World Tour. Um, I think this might be because due to the poor word of mouth, you know, the relatively low Rotten Tomatoes score and, you know, the fact that Scoob has for a long time been seen as direct to DVD franchise as opposed to Trolls World Tour, which is the only had theatrical releases um, that may have diluted the brand. Um, for whatever reason, the legs of Scoob weren't as strong as Trolls World Tour was, even though it had a stronger opening weekend. Um, given that Trolls World Tour likely won't be profitable off of VOD, um, you know, due to you know not being able to double dip, uh, it seems that this PVOD experiment for the studios are having in this time of coronavirus uh, isn't going as well as you know they may like, uh, despite whatever Universal uh, crows about how successful Trolls World Tour was. Uh, that being said, Scoob and those meddling kids likely won't be enough to save HBO Max. Uh, this is like the third week I've talked about the woes of that platform, and I won't reiterate them, but, you know, come on. They tried to make a comic book superhero about a, of a team called HBO Max called To Max 
called to the max to advertise the, the service, uh, yeah, they, they've got problems. Uh, in any case, Warner is set to have an online event, um, you know, kind of like a virtual convention, uh, specifically to solve their film properties. Um, you know, San Diego Comic Con is taking place, you know, July 22nd, about a month from now. Um, and, but similar to how Disney, in addition to participating at San Diego Comic Con, has their own separate D23 conference uh, for their own announcements, it looks like DC's taking a page out of Disney's book with DC Fandom. Uh, happening a month after San Diego Comic-Con on uh, August 22nd uh, to promote various projects such as Matt Reeves' Batman, James Gunn's The Suicide Squad, and you know more promotion for Wonder Woman 1984 that will be coming you know about a couple weeks afterwards, October 2nd, you know, plus many more. Who knows what else we're going to have? Um, also, you know, to Warner Brothers credit, at least HBO Max is no Quibi. Um, Jeff Katzenberger, founder of Quibi, uh, still stays optimistic, apparently, that, you know, the mobile first streaming platform that no one asked for, um, you know, is, is going to do well. Though, to be fair, as CEO and, and founder, he kind of has to. Uh, to be fair to, to Quibi, uh, they are working on a deal with Amazon and Roku to bring their mobile-only streaming service to connected TVs, which just kind of shows you the conception of the product, market product fit there. Um, but that being said, at least they're working on it. Um, I'm sure HBO Max is too, but the fact that they still launched without Amazon or Roku baffles my mind. Uh, to round out the streaming news, you know, there's a couple other uh, headlines. Um, you know, there's apparently a survey floating, I believe, from Real Good, um, showing that Apple TV is the worst bang for your buck for your money, um, both with fewer shows and movies per dollar, as well as you know lower rated shows in general compared to Amazon or Netflix. Um, you know, given Apple's uh, attempts to try to you know get more content such as Greyhound and that Martin Scorsese film, this is maybe they're trying to, to take care of that. Um, you know, speaking of Netflix, though, uh, they did seem to be. Sort Circling Paramount's uh, The Trial of Chicago 7, uh, a film by, directed by Aaron Sorkin um, that is likely awards contender for this year. Um, it's a somewhat political film in nature, which you know, may be especially relevant for a election year this year. Uh, so I'm not really sure why Paramount is trying to get out of it. Maybe they just don't have faith uh, in the film being able to actually get awards, um, which you know, Netflix has been trying to do definitely the past couple of years. Um, you know, but between that and and the the, the theater situation, um, you know, with with they're not being sure if you know there's a space for a mid market film. You know, if if only the big bo- the big uh, blockbusters will be able to compete for the rest of the year. Maybe that's why Paramount's trying to get out the the distributing this film in theaters. So uh, who knows? Um, you know, finally, there's a, there's a couple of offbeat uh, box office news. Um, so for one, uh, so the NBA season, uh, for those who don't haven't heard, is planning on coming back. But instead of, you know, the normal situation where teams travel to different stadiums, which is a terrible idea uh, in the world of coronavirus, um, instead, 22 teams will be going to Walt Disney World Resort in Orlando, uh, you know, putting up the the players, the staff, their families, um, the crew, and everyone to play a limited number of games in an abbreviated season. Um, so this is a deal. Obviously, Disney profits by you know getting paid by the NBA league to you know how to at least make use of their hotels that are otherwise going to be staying empty. I mean, obviously the NBA gets to play their games and you know, get all the money from there. Um, you know, hopefully with you know and and for movie theaters, uh, movie chains, they're going to want the NBA. Uh, games to be going on so that they can market, you know, whatever films will be coming out, such as Tenet, uh, which I believe is, believe is opening the same weekend as the NBA season. Uh, in any case, there's a rumor going around that allegedly, uh, because you know 
this the these celebrities and these these basketball players and their families are kind of stuck uh, in the bubble of the Disney World Resort, which frankly isn't a bad place to be. Um, apparently, though, they are getting they are getting access to unreleased Disney films uh, such as Mulan and Black Widow. Um, so yeah, who knows uh, if there will be any leaks of uh, the plot points or even someone you know filming it from their hotel room or something. Um, you know, I'm pretty surprised that Disney is is risking a leak like this, uh, even if it's not in video form, uh, even if it's just the plot details. Um, since you know they've been they they've chosen to you know delay the release of these films and keep them uh, in theaters as opposed to you know putting them directly to streaming. So you know who knows why Disney is making this move. Um, maybe it was good negotiations from the NBA. Um, and then, you know, finally, probably the best box office news that I've heard all quarantine that really gave me a laugh. Um, so I think I, we talked about in the past couple, in a couple episodes ago about the idea of four walling, a um, uh, a movie theater. So basically, a filmmaker will buy, will rent out a movie theater for a flat rate, um, and you know, um, whatever ticket sales are made uh, in that um, screening, uh, they will get you know 100% of the profits. Uh, the the movie theater will benefit by you know getting this flat fee, especially if they weren't expecting to have a lot of uh, tickets for that particular time slot. You know, usually in the middle of the week is when this would happen. And New York is notorious for independent film workers having these vanity projects that. You know, most people wouldn't ever go pay to go money to see, but um, they get to say, "Oh yeah, I totally screened in New York and was able to get somebody to come watch my film." So, there's a filmmaker from Long Island, you know, not New York City proper, but you know, a little bit outside in, in the suburbs. Uh, his name's Christian Nilsson, um, and he was able to get his film to be the number one film in the United States on June 10th, 2020, uh, by taking advantage of the four walling. Um, they made a he and a couple friends, uh, mostly some some famous YouTubers, um, made a zero budget film called Unsubscribe. I think it's something about like some friends being haunted by an internet troll or something, and they filmed it all over Zoom. Uh, and then they rented out a movie theater in West Hampton Beats, New York, um, you know, using that four-wall method. Um, so, you know, the, the theater, obviously, they're not getting a ton of traffic right now. So they're going to take whatever revenue they can that, that Christian is willing to play, pay out for their flat rental fee. Um, and then Christian, basically, since four-walling involves the person who rents out the movie theater getting 100% of the ticket sales, well, what if Christian, what he did was he paid... Uh, two thousand twenty-five thousand four hundred and eighty-eight dollars for movie tickets to see his film unsubscribe, and then he gets to keep all two thousand twenty-five thousand four hundred and eighty-eight dollars in box office receipts. Um, you know, minus whatever flat fee he had to pay the movie theater, which is basically a sunk cost for him. But uh, for that price, whatever it was for that West Hampton Beach movie theater, he paid them. Uh, he basically got to say that his film made two twenty-five thousand dollars. Uh, in um, that particular day, which ended up being the number one uh, box office film for that day. So yeah, congrats to Christian Nilsson and the team for uh, getting uh, one um, for getting uh, um, the number one film um, you know in the country for that day. Um, you know, uh, definitely also you know you can there's a YouTube video I'll link from one of his uh, fellow YouTubers. Um, his name. Uh, I believe is um, Eric Tabak. Um, and then, you know, they also just released a film for, you know, four bucks rental on Vimeo video on demand. Um, I'll link both of those in the show notes, but wow, that's just like a crazy story um, for, for this, these crazy times. 
in any case, um, you know, sort episode this week. I didn't really watch that many movies this past weekend. Um, I do have an episode of Box Office uh, Filmography in Focus. I probably wouldn't be cramming a bunch of films for this weekend, this weekend weekend um, before the end of the month. Um, but in any case, uh, that will be a wrap for this episode, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, if you have any feedback or suggestions for box office concepts, um, you know, or just for the show in general, send me an email at boxofficewatchpodcast at gmail.com or on Twitter at BOWatchPodcast. Uh, you can find us on Spotify, iTunes, and Google Play as well. Uh, if you leave a review on your podcast service of choice or on podchaser.com, that would be super helpful. Links in the show notes. Uh, episode, epi- numbers used in this episode for box office numbers come from thenumbers.com. Our intro and outro music come from Kevin MacLeod. You can find his stuff at incompetech.filmmusic.io. Editing and production is provided by Ninja Boy Media. Until next time, this has been the Box Office Watch. And remember, our watch goes on. Thanks, guys. Thanks, guys.